Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for catching this episode. I'm really excited that you're here. My guest for today is Peter Gladwin. Peter is an evangelist, and he's the founder and CEO of Out of the Ashes Ministries, ministering in churches, prisons, and secondary schools across the UK and throughout the nations. Peter, for this conversation, joined us all the way from the United Kingdom, and uh, it's just such a blessing to hear Peter's story, his testimony about how God really rescued him from such despair and darkness, depression, psychological torment, uh, physical pain, how God has brought so much healing into his life, into his physical body. It's just really an incredible story. I don't want to give any of it away because I really want you to just hear it from Peter. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done that already, and uh, if this episode blesses you, if you'd consider sharing it with someone you think could benefit from listening to it as well, or leaving a review, that would be amazing. I'd super appreciate it. But uh, for now, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Peter Gladwin. Again, Peter, just really appreciate you. Thanks so much for, for your time, taking the time to be here, and I'm just excited to chat with you and hear about what God's done in your life. Well, it's uh, great to be uh, with you, Duke, and um, I know that um, God's using your ministry um, to get the good news out there, and uh, I'm just looking forward to this to sharing um, this evening with you how how God can can get hold of a life and and basically take it from the ashes and uh, transform it. Incredible what God can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited just to get into it. I I gave a little bit of a bio about you, but I was kind of vague in it when I was going through the introduction because I didn't want to give a whole lot away because I personally would just love to hear, um, you know, a little bit of your story, a little bit of your upbringing and your past and some of the things that God has really transformed and brought just his redemptive story out of and how God has positioned you for the ministry that you're doing today around the world and and all of that. I'd love to uh, just kind of hear some of that from you. Uh, just before we jump into it, where in the UK are you located? Uh, well, I actually live in uh, South Wales. Um, oh, okay. I've been, uh, I've been adopted by the Welsh. Okay, um, <laughs> awesome. How long, is yeah, that, we, how long have you been there? We've only been here uh, four years, um, okay. but uh, we lived in, in Hampshire for 25 years. Um, but uh, the Lord called us, uh, um, as I say, about four, over four years ago, and um, and told us basically to up sticks. That that chapter was over, and He was doing a giving us a new chapter to walk in. And um, and yeah, well, I'll share a little bit about that later on. That's awesome. Well, uh, very cool, Peter. Well, again, thanks for being here. Um, so let's just can we maybe just kind of start at the beginning and uh, just tell us a little bit about, um, I know you had something very, very tragic that happened to you when you were just a uh, very, very young as a baby. And um, uh, maybe we can start there and then we'll get into some other stuff. We'll just kind of see where the conversation rolls, but tell us a little bit about um, what what that was like for you growing up. Yeah. Um, well, we had a, a tough uh, upbringing. Um, I've come from a family, a very large family, actually. I have five brothers and three sisters. Um, we um, we were brought up in um, in really, as I say, tough conditions. My father um, had uh, some issues with uh, gambling and drinking, and um, as as uh, early in their marriage, uh, my mom and dad's marriage. Um, you know, things got out of hand with his habits. And, you know, it. Um, I can imagine the stress that my mom was under um, early into her marriage, uh, especially as she began to have children. Um, as I say, that I come from a family of nine. Uh, my mom was pregnant for nine years um, without a break. Wow. Unbelievable, really. You think about that. I mean, it's unbelievable what my mom had to go through. But uh, we so lived nine, in that. Nine of you total, so eight eight brothers and sisters, over the court over a period of nine years is yeah. essentially what you're saying. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And my dad, he he, um, he was unemployed. He was on what's called sickness benefit. He, um, you know, he uh, he had bronchitis, 
and um but yeah he was able to to get down to the bookmakers and and to get into the into the mm. local bar <laughs> and uh, whatever yeah. money he had whatever money he had it seemed to go that way my mom was always short always uh struggling to to buy food and and uh, uh, general necessities really for the children um but yeah when um when i was one year old um i was put before the fire um on the carpet um in england we have these coal fires um that really really sort of eat the house up and mm. um tragically my mom she built the fire up but she forgot to put the guard around the fire and she nipped next door for a cup of tea uh, that left me on the rug of, uh, of of the front room my sister was in the kitchen uh, with my uh, elder brother and um, a piece of coal fell out of the fire and um, landed on the carpet rolled off the half and onto the carpet and within a few minutes the house was ablaze Wow. And I was on, and I was on the carpet. <laughs> wow! Um, and uh, my sister came running out of um, out of the kitchen, screaming, panicking. She couldn't get to me. She ran straight out of the house. Went to get mom. Uh, she ran in, mom, mom, the house is on fire. And uh, mom came screaming out of the house. Again, tragically, as she got to the the front door. She found she couldn't get through the door. The door had slammed shut, tight shut, as um, as my sister had, um, had 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 come running out. So my wow. mom was there on the doorstep of the house, not able to to rescue um, a one year old child. Hmm. The uh, fire brigade turned up. Um, all the emergency services turned up, expecting to find a corpse. Um, I mean, there's no way a baby can survive such a, such a fire. Right. Um, so they came in, the fire brigade, they brought the door down, came in and, and um, basically just flooded the house, house with their hoses. And um, the, the house was smouldering and smoking through all the damp and the, the water that had just been sprayed everywhere. And um, all of a sudden, they heard a little squeak. And wow. um, the, f the firemen sort of looked down and they could see something had fallen down from the roof and um, it was on the floor and he lifted up, it was probably a bit of a bit of plasterboard or whatever, and he lifted right, yeah. it up and under the, this piece of material that had fallen from the roof, there was I, <laughs> a little baby. Um, Unfortunately, I was terribly burnt um, mm. as a result of the fire. I lost my fingers on my left hand. I've got um, all my fingers oh, away. Wow. Um, my feet are partially amputated. Uh, I've got 65% burns to the body from the bottom of my feet all the way up. All this left side here is badly damaged. But mm. it, it looks yeah. as though... I was laid on that side, all this side, the left-hand side, and the board was covering the right-hand side because I'm fine on this side, um, on this side. Sorry, this side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mix up there with the camera. Um, but, yeah, I was very badly, very badly burned and not expected to survive, to be honest. The mm. doctors told my um, my parents um, that if I you know, need a miracle, I mean, one-year-old, the shock should have killed me, never mind the burns. But yeah. uh, survive I did. Um, and, um, you know, obviously uh, because of my dad wasn't in, he was out um, either drinking or in the, in the betting shop um, with his horses and my mom was next door. So my dad said, where were you? To my mm. mom. Yeah. My mum said to my dad, never mind where I was, where was you? Yeah. So where the blame yeah. game started. Wow. And so their marriage just went to, uh, to pot from that, um, from that day forward. Um, um, I was in hospital for, 
for about two and a half years, um, having reconstructive surgery. I was in a wheelchair until I was seven, seven years of age. Um, it was, um, I can remember little bits of it. Thankfully, uh, I don't remember uh, the fire because I was so young. But um, it was a... Um, it was a, a tragedy, not just for me, but also for my parents as well. Um, mm. The guilt that they carried was was uh, was incredible. They could never talk to me about the fire. In fact, as I grew up, I used to ask my parents, you know, what happened to me? You know, I'm, why am I like this? And uh, my parents couldn't tell me. They were so guilty. They mm. just said to me, we don't talk about it, Peter. That's wow. the past. And that wow. not just scarred me. Um, I weren't just suffering from the, the physical scars, but that turned out to psychologically scar me because I had all these terrible injuries and, and deformities, mm. but yet I couldn't put any sort of logic to them. Wow. And I always wondered there was something dark what went on because they wouldn't tell me exactly what happened, hmm. um, which... You know, he's very, very cruel. I, I, I personally, I, you know, how can you not do? How can you not tell the child, you know, that um, you've made a mistake? And wow. You know. So, yeah. so yeah, wow. yeah, life, big, uh, growing up on on a rough council estate with the disabilities that I incurred through the fire, uh, it was awful. I went. I did eventually get start going to school, but again, you know, because I was different. Um, I received a lot of bullying, a lot of name calling, um, yeah. and um, I kind of isolated myself at the back of the classroom, and and sort of missed out on a lot of things at school, a lot of education, and and hmm. um, you know the teachers had, had it rough. Without my, without my situation, <laughs> they had a classroom of of kids from the council estates and. Um, and they couldn't spend explain, that explain the uh, the council estates what what that means well basically it, it uh, in England we have what's called social housing and okay. um, it's mainly um, housing um, for poorer families yeah what like we would call that affordable housing here okay that's what yeah, I, that's yeah. what I figured I just wanted to make sure I was tracking with you <laughs> yeah well you can imagine sort of um, putting all these families together and every, all families, they've all got uh, social issues, drug issues, okay. alcohol, is okay. alcohol issues, you name it, they've got it. And they're all hmm. bunched together on, on the, in this affordable housing. It might be affordable, but let me tell you, it, uh, it's a shocking <laughs> place to be brought up. But I survived it. I survived it, praise the Lord. Yeah, and, um, yeah well, praise God. You know, but so. Yeah, it, it, many, many, many scars and, and bad experiences um, as I was growing up. Do you know how many surgeries you had during that time? Um, I guess I guess it was really the first couple of years that you were in the hospital. And then uh, I'm, were, were there did you have to continue to have different reconstructive surgeries and things beyond your time in the hospital? What, what was your childhood like uh, as far as that that went? Yeah, um, I um, I remember um, vividly the, the the pain of uh, these special boots that I used to have to wear. In the early stages, mm. I used to wear metal calipers that were attached to the boots and ran up my leg. Oh man, they were wow. so they were so painful. I had reconstructive surgery on both of my feet. Um, on my left and um, you know a lot of people turn around and say to me that uh, actually to say that um, it's over uh, 50 55 years ago since you had your, the, these operations the the, the operation itself um, they the, 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 they actually don't look horrendous they, they, they're still bad obviously but uh, because obviously I've no toes on my left foot I've just got a little stub and on my right foot, I've got, just got one little toe. Uh, mm. And again, it's just a stub. But I found out, um, 
unbelievably, I met a guy and his wife in a, in a, in a clothes shop and um, somehow we got talking and um, I just said, you know, he said, oh, he recognised my accent and, and said, you're not from down south, are you? I said, no, I'm from up north. He said, oh, so am I. I said, oh, where are you from? He said, oh, Bradford. And we, we both come from the same area. And he said, I've noticed you've got a scar on the side of your face where you're burnt. And I said, yes, I was. I was burnt as a child. He said, which hospital were you in? I said, oh, St. Luke's Hospital, Burns Unit. He said, oh, I said, I thought so. He said, I used to work there. Hmm. And I thought, wow. And all of a sudden, he's giving me this information. And he said to me, actually, he said, I can tell that you were under the, um, the, surgeon, the surgeons that went through special training uh, to treat World War II vet, uh, veterans coming home from World wow. War II. And uh, they received special training, obviously, to treat soldiers who had uh, horrific um, burns and amputees and all sorts of, of horrible injuries. And he said, um, I can see that the surgeons that carried out these has, has operated on you um, because it's so neat. You know, it looks so neat. I mean, yeah. if I hold if my, my hand up from there, you can't actually tell I've got no, no fingers, can you? No, not at all. Um, and the same with my feet. If I, well, you can tell, obviously, but it's still, I'm still, um, you know, in terms of a, a deformity, it, it's not as ugly as it can. At some deformities, mm. it looks shocking. But as I say, um, yeah, so I, I had many... I remember having to go to the outpatients as a child and have regular gauze. It's like a, a, a linen, a gelled linen wrapped around my body, especially my legs and my feet. Mm. But the pain in terms of learning to walk, uh, having to wear these boots was horrendous. Um, absolutely horrendous. However, because I went through that pain, I can walk today mm. and um, I don't feel any pain hardly today. Wow. I still struggle in terms of, um, I, I'll never do a, a marathon or, um, you know, walk long distances or, or whatever. Um, I, I do struggle a little bit with mobility, but I can still get around. And, yeah. Um, you know, and so I thank God for that. Um but yeah, in the early days, in the early days, it was it was really really tough. But I, I thank God for the surgeons and the nurses who looked after me uh, throughout my my time. Um, with yeah. Them. And um, yeah, as I say, today not only am I, have I been healed in terms of um, you know the psychological damage, you know, I psychologically, I mean. A lot of people suffer with identity. A lot of people suffer with their looks. Yeah. A lot of people uh, suffer psychologically, but I don't. I can accept myself who I am today. Uh, but yet, oh, before I made a commitment to to, 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 to to Jesus, before I gave my life to the Lord, I struggled with that. Um, but I am who I am. And um, God loves me as I am. And to to sort of learn and, and, and walk in that new identity is liberating. Yes. That identity in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. Christ lives in me. I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And and I just give all the glory to God for that. He's he's done an amazing work in, in cutting me off from all that negativity of the past. Come on. Well, look, it's, uh, man, Peter, hear, hearing your story and hearing, and this is just the beginning. I know we've got more to get into, but hearing, you know, what you went through as a baby and as a, as a young child and growing up and have, being in a wheelchair and, you know, being in the hospital for so long and having these surgeries and then having to learn eventually, uh, you know, having to learn how to walk and, and, and all of this. And then, but like on, on top of that, so already dealing with all of that physical pain and trauma, and then on top of that, like going to school, 
and being ridiculed and mocked and bullied by other by other kids for something that's obviously like no fault of your own like what happened to you you were completely you had no control over that that had nothing to do with with you or anything and you know i think that every like most people struggle on some level on at some point in their life with with identity you know even even without all of that and uh, so it just really it's really amazing to me and it's really inspirational just to hear stories like this of um you know walking through su such an intense adversity and pressure and trauma and tragedy and dealing with all the psychological stuff that so often comes with that and but yet god got a hold of you god got a hold of your heart and he began to transform and shift the way that you see yourself the way that you see life the way that you approach life and uh it's awesome first of all the the level of healing that god has brought into your life on a physical level but the level of healing that like as you alluded to that god's brought into your heart and into your mind and you know really bringing transformation into into you because you're such a you i've again this is the first time that we've uh that we've really talked as far as you know we've connected with some messages and things like that but uh this is the first time that we've you know really connected in this way but uh i you just i can just tell you've you've got lots of joy and um you got an awesome outlook on life and everything and so it's just awesome to see what god has done and the transformation that he's brought into your life um how old were you i'm just curious how old were you when you started gaining the ability to walk I was um, probably around seven years of age. Now, when, when you had the accident, when you were a baby, was that before, had you already been walking as a baby or was that prior to you learning how to no, walk? No, I don't think I was walking. Um, as I say, if I'd have been walking, I'd have got up off the carpet and ran out of the house. Right, yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> so, but, so, the, uh, so the first time in your life that you walked, basically you were around seven years old or so? Yeah, about uh, about seven years of age. I remember the physiotherapist screaming at me, Peter, you can mm. do it. Come on, you can do it. You know, and I used to walk along this rail. I used to hold on to these two rails. And um, I remember them, um, you know, really encouraging me. Um, so I had a brilliant, brilliant um, people who got behind me and encouraged me and inspired me to, to uh, believe. Uh, that I could I could walk and Come on. even though it was painful sometimes you have to go through a lot of pain to achieve what uh, is is possible and yeah, um, yeah but uh, as I say it uh, I began to walk and and I've been walking ever since that's awesome does it wh what about the balance like um how how long did it take for you to sort of figure out the balance thing? Um, you know, only having having you know partial amputations on both of your feet and all that is that is that still an issue today, or have you gotten it? You, you're you're so used to it that it doesn't affect you anymore. No, um, basically uh, the NHS, um, which is um, um, the hospitals that look after you over in England are all run by uh, the NHS. And they made me um, special soles that fit my shoes. They're very, very specially made and designed all around my amputations. So when my foot fits into my shoes, they fit into these soles that have been specially made. Wow, okay. Keep me upright. <laughs> and uh, without them, I wouldn't be able to walk, to be honest with you. Because... Um, <laughs> the shoes would be too hard the soles would be too hard but uh, so i have special soles uh, inserts in my shoes that keep me balanced sometimes i'll 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 sort of, i'll lose my balance and and have to steady myself um but uh, most of the time uh, these soles um they they were godsend they really really are and uh, again i thank i thank god for the nhs who who um who designed these uh, these soles for my shoes? That's awesome. Well, let's fast forward a little bit then um, into 
what else happened uh, after that? You know, you, you kid growing up, you got out of the wheelchair, started getting out of the wheelchair around age seven and then, you know, going to school and all that, but still growing up and dealing with, um, you know, again, the, 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 the physical pain and dealing with the psychological things. And even like you said, growing up and not knowing about um, never really ha haven't been told the story of what happened to you because of the guilt that was surrounding it. And then uh, I know that it eventually led you into some uh, pretty dark places and looking for some methods of, of escape in substances and in, in different things. And so um, just, yeah, if you could just share a little bit, a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I think, um, as I say, going through school, especially secondary school, I found it really, really tough, um, especially uh, with that question, well, what am I going to do when I leave school um, mm. because of my disabilities? Everybody was sort of getting jobs and, and um, you know, edging off into their careers uh, or, or, or basic jobs. And uh, I didn't think there was a lot of hope for me, to be honest with you. However, uh, my dad got me a job working as an apprentice, um, an apprentice cutter in an upholstery factory. And so I would cut this material for, um, for three-piece suites and learn all about uh, uh, pattern cutting and pattern design. And I, I was loving it. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, one night, I was, as I was traveling home um, on a bus with a friend of mine, uh, the bus stopped and about 16 lads got on, got on to this bus. And uh, because they were from another village, um, they began to uh, really tease us and, and spit at us and call us names. Then they started to, to fight with us. They started to beat us up. Um, and then one of them pulled out a knife and stuck it straight into my mate's back. Um, my mate fell, fell, fell on his, on the, on his face, on his frontal. I, I thought, he, I thought he's dead. And then the guy came to, 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 with the knife to stab me. I remember him lifting the knife and calling me a swear word and coming down with his knife to stab me in my chest. Um, thankfully, um, he did, he did stab me, uh, but thankfully he didn't stab me, um, in my chest. Um, but he did. I turned around, and basically, um, I don't know if you can see that. Whoa! Yeah. He stabbed me in my arm, and um, hmm. the knife went in so deep that it severed the the tendons in my arm. Uh, as a result of the stabbing, I lost my the use of this arm for two years. Wow! <laughs> I mean, can you believe it? I can't use my left hand. Because of um, I've no fingers, and now I can't use my right hand. Oh man! Obviously, I lost my job. Um, yeah. Obviously, the depression kicked in, despair kicked in. Um, I began to to, to uh, experiment in, in drugs and alcoholism, and, and obviously, uh, following my dad in gambling, even though I never had any money anyway. But what mm. I, the money I did have, I used to spend it on gambling. Um, and I was just totally lost. I was crippled in life um, in a physical sense. Um, I, and now I'm crippled emotionally, mentally, so, mm. again, psychologically. Couldn't work yeah. it out that, that why me? Couldn't get my head around why me, you know? Why is this happening to me? Mm. Um, totally, totally smashed um to pieces at uh, 15 years of age and um for the next five or six years i was just wandering around just doing nothing just just drinking and and just basically moaning and groaning about life uh, and then when i was 20 uh, 23 uh 23 24 i was so drunk in the street that a car came along and it hit me and knocked me up in the air, and I, where, and I was left for dead in the middle of the road. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. As a result of the um, the car hitting hitting me, I it smashed. I smashed my skull. My leg, my femur was broken. My body was bust, and I was back in hospital. I mean, the thing was uh, again, 
it's just you know just repeat just repeating 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 why me what what is going on in life and so all my life really all the way from up to the age of 30 years of age was a complete disaster for me i'll have to be honest with you and even at the age of 27 it didn't stop there because i got the news that my dad had killed himself he committed suicide so oh my goodness I, at the age of 30 I woke up one Sunday morning, I'd sold all the furniture to, to sponsor my gambling and my drugs and, and alcoholism. Uh, the, the, my partner at the time, who I have uh, had a one-year-old son to, uh, had left. Uh, I was just totally, totally left alone in this doom and gloom and, and um, a fit of de despair. And, and, and um, to be honest, I thought, that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to... I'm going to take my life. I'm going to get out of here. I cannot take this crap anymore. And mm. um, and so I decided to throw myself from a bridge. And um, I remember walking towards this bridge. I remember I knew where it was. It was probably about half an hour away. But I would get to this bridge, and uh, I would. I the, the end. The end. That would be the end for me. But something happened on this bridge that even I can't explain today. Hmm. <laughs> um, it was like it was a Sunday morning and um, I guess to this bridge. And uh, it was pretty dull day, pretty dull day. I remember that. And, and I'm standing there and I'm looking over this bridge and I'm thinking in, in a couple of seconds, everything will be over. The pain, the pain of the past, wow. everything. I turned around to my right-hand side and I looked up and in the near distance, there was all these blocks of flats, high-rise apartments, yeah? And I counted the, the floors, one, two, three, four, five. And I could see that my mum lived in that flat on the fifth floor. Something in my mind, I don't know whether it was... Uh, whether it was my flesh or what, but I saw a light. And I, I still can't explain that today, but I saw some sort of light. And I thought, my mum's in. And so I stepped back from this bridge and I walked up to, up to these blocks of flats. And uh, I walked in and a scruffy, a scruffy block of flats, graffiti everywhere, uh, smell of urine going up in the lift. And... Um, Anyway, I uh, gets into my mum's and my mum could see I was in a dreadful state. And she said to me, are you okay, Peter? And for the first time in my life, I was honest with my mum. Hmm. I turned around and said, mum, I am not, I'm not okay. I wow. am in a total, total mess. I'm just nearly throwing myself off a bridge just over there. I'm, I'm a mess, mum. My life is broken. I'm hooked on drugs. I can't keep away from the bookies. I'm gambling. I'm drinking. I can't keep a relationship down. I can't get my head around all these disasters that have happened in my life, Mom. I'm a broken man. My mom didn't know what to say, so she rang my sister. Now, my sister, unbeknown to me, had become a committed Christian about eight weeks before this phone call. Wow. She'd given her life wow. to Jesus, and that's a testimony in the, in, in itself. Mm. You need to get my sister on your on your program, Joe. She's got All amazing right. testimony. Let's do it. <laughs> and um, so my sister starts telling me about about this Jesus over the telephone. She starts telling me about God, how 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 we can transform my life, how we can not just repair my life, but give me a brand new life. Hmm. And I and I thought to myself, God, my God's gambling, my God's drinking, my God's immorality, and these are my gods. Who's this God? <laughs> she starts to share with me about this God is love. This God is powerful. This hmm. God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for you. And I said, Well. How do I get to know him? How, how, how is it possible? And she said, Peter, it cost God 
his son Jesus Christ. He died on that cross for your sin. Wow. I thought, well, I'm not going to argue with that. I am a sinner. <laughs> That's one a lot of people argue about whether they're sinners or not. Well, I knew I, I, I was not in that classroom. I, I knew that I was a sinner. So I accepted, yeah, well, I'm a sinner, isn't it? She said, well, Jesus died for your sin. And you can have a, a relationship with God if you confess your sin and ask Jesus to not only come in here, but to come into your heart. And so on the telephone, I surrendered my life to God. She led Come me on. in a simple prayer. She led me in a simple prayer. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I asked him into my life to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And ever since that day on that telephone, <laughs> let me tell you this. There's a different fire burning in my heart. Come on. A fire that doesn't destroy life a fire that gives life and i praise god for that day when he came into my life and washed my sins away it was a happy happy day oh hallelujah uh, i'll never forget that day it's etched in my mind my heart um i i believe i was called by god i believe that um that god it was god's plan um in terms of allowing me to to go through that suffering god didn't cause the suffering but he allowed it and you know all things work for the good for those who love the lord and and right. uh, thankfully um he came into my life in, in my mom's flat in a block of flats in a scruffy dark block of flats on mm. the fifth floor and he's been living in my heart ever since so is this right that you you didn't know that your mom lived there Oh no, I knew she lived there. Okay. Okay. Um no, I knew she lived there. It's just I was in a daze. I was I was yeah. uh, totally totally messed up and mm. and totally, you know, psychologically damaged, mentally and emotionally broke. Um but it was just as I stood on the bridge. You had like a moment of clarity basically just, where you stepped back and, and yeah, stepped back and you know, I believe I believe that I was being led um uh, but in fact the day after absolutely the day after i mean my sister came down she took me to church that night and um had an incredible time encounter with god again in the church and then the next day i was walking on the same bridge on the same bridge i'm thinking of jumping off and i saw a guy walking towards me and he was the first ever person that i ever witnessed to the day after i got saved and i stopped him on the bridge and i said can i just share something with your friend and he said, yeah, go ahead. I said, I just want you to know that I've given my life to Jesus. I've surrendered. He looked at me and went, well, well done, lad. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the start of, uh, of my calling to be an evangelist. It, um, yeah, it, uh, it's never yeah. stopped since. I've been telling people yeah. about Jesus ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's so cool, just as like a side note, um, so cool how God used your sister who had only been saved for two months at that point. And Amen. I just think that that's so awesome that, you know, it doesn't matter how new you are as a believer, um, you know, what you've been through, your circumstances, like God just, he's just so interested in using every single one of us for his purposes. He's so interested in just lavishing his love and his goodness and his grace upon us. And I think so often, Peter, we have like so many, um, so many believers uh, just have such a skewed, just wrong picture of their heavenly father and the God that you met that day that brought such change and transformation into your life. And you know, began to to turn your life around, began to shift your perspective in such profound ways. He wasn't a God uh, like angry at you because of your sin. Uh, he wasn't a God who was distant from you or disappointed in you because of what you'd gone through, but a God who just wanted to grab hold of your heart and wanted you to come home because he had so much love and just goodness and grace to demonstrate to you. And um, it's just, uh, it's so cool how, to see now how he's just turned your life around and how he's using you to help pull other people out of those dark places in life. And 
yeah um yeah i mean go the ahead, thing man. is that um the thing is that today um i'm drug free i'm alcohol free i'm gambling free uh, i'm married to a beautiful swiss girl um I've, I've got four beautiful kids um i go wow. i've um i uh, travel the world um preaching the gospel sharing my story out of the ashes uh, i've never been to america yet so you must get me invited to america joe um, let's do it and, man and um but uh, we i've ministered in cambodia i've been ministered in south korea in mm. india in Papua New Guinea, in Australia. We've been all over the world. Before I became a Christian, I'd never been off my street hardly. <laughs> but God, yeah. God had a plan. Yes, God came to save me. Of course he did. But he's also repaying me for the, for the years that the locusts have eaten. I missed out on a lot of things, Duke, because of my mm. disabilities, because of my my um my, my character because of my the way i was but this new person that god is building god is giving me everything that i missed out on <laughs> i can't believe it you know i mean i'm a, i'm a um i basically god has uh, has put my um, my story in a book uh called out of the ashes it's been published by a global publishing publishing company um They've made a stage play out of my story. They're making a musical out of my story that's going to tour really? theaters. Yeah, yeah. It only, got, it only got stopped in production because of COVID. COVID, but, yeah. When all this COVID is it, it, going in throughout the, the theaters, throughout the United Kingdom. Um, I mean, uh, this doesn't happen. You know, this doesn't happen in, 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 in the ordinary times, in the ordinary life. Yeah. <laughs> because we live in a supernatural life, because Come God on. is with us, God has major plans for our lives, a major, uh, major transformation. And even though I'm not perfect today, I know that God is perfect and God is faithful. He's faithful to, to keep his promises. He's faithful to provide, to protect, to heal, to restore. This is my God. Someone once said, I want to know Jesus, not something that looks like him. Let me tell you, I know Jesus. I yeah. know Jesus because he's transformed my life. He's transformed the areas of my life that I would find impossible. Impossible. And even though I've had all this transformation and, and I've, I, you know, I've been on mountaintops, let me tell you, I've also been in valleys as well. You know, sure. only last year, only last year, you know, Christians, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean to say that you're not go, going to go through a suffering time, through a challenging oh, yeah. time. You know, you look at the disciples, you look at many, all of the disciples, all the men and women of God of the past, they've all gone through difficult, challenging times. Last year, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was, it was either stage four or stage three cancer. I had a tumor on my esophagus. And uh, they said to me, 50-50 chance of, of, of survival, Peter. Mm. Oh, dear me, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> God is calling me home. And, um, but I survived the operation. You couldn't believe that I survived the operation. And um, today I'm cancer-free. Oh, hallelujah. You Look know, at again, Jesus. More, more scars on the body. I mean, I, honestly, I've got massive scars yeah. all on my back. They cut me in my back and they cut me in my bottom and my stomach. They bust my ribs, they punctured my lung, but they took away this tumour. And um, as I said, today I'm cancer free. So, you know, the Christian life is, yes, it's experiencing the glory with God, but it's also experiencing his suffering. You know, <laughs> as Christians, we, we, we do go through difficult times, but, but I'm looking forward to that day when... You know, the Lord either takes me home um, and gives me a brand new body um, or when he returns and, and gives me a brand new body. The Bible says we're going to get new bodies. It's beautiful. You know, yep. when, he, when he returns. And um, But at the moment, I'm living in this body. I'm just about to go off to South Africa, uh, work in the townships um, out in South Africa, Cape Town and Johannesburg. Uh, we go into prisons, into rehabs, uh, churches. I'm up in a place um, next weekend. I'm up in a, a place in England called Warrington. 
I've been told to expect between 20,000 people attending uh, this conference. And these people are all, um, the majority, 95, 96% of these people will be disabled. They've all wow. got disabilities. They've all got disabilities. Wow. I cannot wait because I believe I'm going to get a John 5 experience where Jesus healed the, the cripple at, the, at, the, at Bethsaida. Um, I just believe that God is going to do something awesome there. So we get, you know, as you say, God is God. Yes, He's, he's saved me. I'm I'm saved. I'm, my 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 name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But He's also given me life. The Bible mm. says that Jesus Jesus has come not just just to save us, but to give us life, and life to the full. Come you on, know? and I live that full life. I really, really do. I I um, you know, as I say, uh, uh, it, it's incredible. I have to pinch myself, Duke. I have to pinch myself in terms of where God has brought me from. Hmm. You need to read the book, Duke. <laughs> oh, I'm reading it. I'm reading it. <laughs> oh, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, it's fantastic. And I, and I really, and I'm not just saying this, I, I really do. Uh, I like the way you write. Um, I like the way that you string sentences together and string thoughts together. Uh, you're very good at telling a story. And so um, I really recommend the book, um, Out of Out of the Ashes. It's available on Amazon. Um, we could also say, website. yeah, so I'm going to put this website up on the screen. Just confirm that I've, is that still yeah, the correct Amazon, address? Or Yeah, Amazon have got enough uh, funds. We have a small charity, registered charity. We get people to buy it from our charity. That's a book there, Out of the Ashes. Yeah, so outofashes.co.uk um, is the website, and yeah, out of the ashes. Yeah, no, I, I really, um, I've, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not through it. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm really enjoying it, and um, and I really recommend it. And some of the, I was actually, I read some of the reviews of the book, and uh, and I saw like a couple different people say, like I remember one review specifically. Somebody said, yeah, I was looking for a book that I could just kind of pick up and put down, you know, that kind of thing, and they were like. Uh, but once I picked it up, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop reading it. And, uh, and I just think that that's such a cool, um, you know, testament well, to, to, to God, to, to the way that he's just really well, just breathing upon this, upon your story, upon your testimony, upon your life and how he's using you around the world. I know your book's been translated into several languages too, right? That's right. Yeah. And, um, there's nothing more encouraging than to, 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 to hear from people who have been inspired and, and challenged by the book. Like you say, people find it difficult to put down once they pick it up. I know that I once spoke in a women's prison and um, I got a letter about six months later uh, from one of the, the prisoners. And in the letter she said, I wasn't in the service where you spoke um, in, a, in the prison. She said, I was in my cell. Uh, in a really bad, dark place. And uh, mm. she said, but one of the prisoners walked past my cell, um, threw your book into my cell. You know, a lot of churches, they sponsor, a lot of people sponsor my book. Um, to, to be given to, uh, to a prisoner for free. And so I give these books out in prisons. And um, the... Um, the lady says in this in this letter that uh, one of the prisoners had thrown a book in and said you must read this book so she put it on the top shelf and and and, and let it um, gather dust <laughs> and about six weeks later she got into such a low state that she's contemplating suicide and she's mm. telling me all this in this letter and uh, she looks up and she sees my book there she picks it off the shelf blows the dust off it and she starts to read it she said, Peter, I want, in this letter, she said, I want you to know that reading your book helped save my life. And wow. so if my book was meant for one person, yeah, if it that's was worth meant it. to just touch <laughs> one, never mind 20 or 50 or 100 or thousands, but just one, and it was that lady, then I'm happy, chappy, because she, she is in church, a family are now in church, um, and, you know, to know that God used something bad in my life for good, 
can you imagine the psychological healing that I've it's almost like I accept I love my past what yeah yeah I accept my past not only do I accept it I embrace it and then I give it to God to heal me of my past that's a way forward to healing you can't push your past away you've got to accept it all that darkness you've got to accept but then you give it to the Lord and you ask the Lord for healing and then he can use it wow yes I mean my, my everything happened to me for, 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 for the bad but God has turned it into the good that only God can do that you know only yeah. God can do that yeah and so yeah we we um we travel around and sharing this this amazing news this amazing amazing father that wants to break into people's lives he wants to he's knocking on the doors of people jesus jesus doesn't come and uh, in like the police and kick the door down he knocks gently those that hear him those that hear him knocking there might be somebody out there tonight duke who's or, or who's going to listen to this podcast yeah and they can hear this knocking in their heart. Mm -hmm. There might be somebody out there in a desperate situation who's in the ashes of their lives. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Let me tell that person. I want to speak right to that person now that God loves you. He's got a plan for your life and can bring healing and restoration into your life. He don't want to give you an, an, um, a repair job. He wants to give you a brand new life. Why don't you come to him? Why don't you cry out to him? Just ask him. You know, he's got a gentle, gentle voice. He's got a lovely voice. You can hear him whispering now, come to me and I will give you rest. That's what the Lord says. That's what I did all those years ago. Come yeah. to him. Give your life to him and you will be transformed. Your life will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. That's so good, Peter. And I, I really, um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us today. And uh, I just want to mention, you know, you, you, uh, you alluded to this verse earlier from Philippians chapter three, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I think, Hallelujah. you know, that's something that we often leave out because I think, I think the challenge for, for us is that we don't always know how to deal with it. We don't always know how to deal with suffering. And you, you mentioned before even too that, you know, before giving your life to the Lord, you used to have that question, you know, going through all that wondering and, and all of the trauma and the psychological stuff and, and the pain and everything that you went through and walking through addiction and, and everything. And, and then, you know, having this question, God, why me? God, why me? God, why me? You know, why is this happening to me? Why is, you know, why is my life so messed up? And, and of course, you know, we can always begin to look around at others and compare ourselves and think that, you know, other people's other people are not going through what I'm going through and their life is so much better than mine. Why did I get dealt this hand? And, and I think even as believers, so often I think we can experience pain, we can experience suffering, we can experience, you know, walking through tragedy, we can experience these different things in life. And I don't believe that God uh, causes any of that. But when we do walk through those things, we can remember that we get to have fellowship with Jesus in the midst of it and that he identifies with us in suffering. I was thinking about even, you know, as you were showing us for anybody listening to this, obviously they, they can't see it, but uh, you, you uh, held up your hands and you held up your arm and you showed us some of the scars. You mentioned that you have scarring, you know, on your um, chest and abdominal areas now too, from the, the re more recent surgeries and, you know, about those scars that you have on your body and you're going to get a new body one day and everything is going to be fully redeemed, fully restored, fully made new. But I was thinking about it at the same time that, you know, Jesus bears scars on his body because of what he went through for us, you know, Amen. and, and he suffered. By, stripes, by stripes, we are healed. Come on. The stripes that Jesus for, for took was for you and for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. incredible. That is incredible that Jesus bore the this this suffering that Jesus went through was was suffering at the at its most horrendous. You know, the 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 the, the crosses that you see uh, paint a pretty picture of Jesus. Jesus was actually right. yeah tortured. 
tortured yeah. to death. Yeah, it was but brutal. Jesus didn't stay dead. God rose him from the grave. And, uh, you know, the grave was not powerful enough to hold Jesus. That's and right. I, I love that. So we can have a relationship with a God who, who, who has suffered, who has uh, uh, experienced torment and, 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 yeah. and, and suffering to a degree that we can never understand. But yeah. there's healing. You know, I mentioned yeah. earlier on, Duke, if I can just um, uh, share this little uh, last story. I mentioned earlier on that my parents could never tell me about what happened to me. Um, but when I became a, a committed Christian, about a year later, my mom saw the transformation in my sister and in myself. And mm. my mom gave her life to Jesus. Come she on. Surrendered. She surrendered to the Lord Jesus. Wow. And I was sat in I was sat in my mom's flat, the same flat where I gave my life to Jesus on the telephone about a year later. And it was just me and my mom. And I said to my mom, Mom, we're both committed Christians. We both love the Lord. We we both know how to forgive and forget and to move on. Is it not time for you to share with me what happened hmm. to me? all those years ago and she looked at me and she said peter it was a terrible day a day i've never been able to forget until i gave my life to jesus she said peter you were laid in front of the fire i forgot to put the guard up i went next door for a cup of tea i came back the door was shut i couldn't get in you were terribly burnt. It was a tragedy. As my mom began to share that, I could see this guilt lifting mm. off her shoulders, this wow. heavy burden. I tell you what, I got healed that day because I found out what happened to me. I could now make sense of, you know, this tragedy. But to mm. see my mom get healed from it, it was an absolute blessing. Wow. And it was only because we both knew Jesus that we were able to touch an, a sensitive, tragic issue, talk about it, and give it to the Lord. <laughs> and so my mom now, she's in glory. She went to heaven a good few years ago. Okay. And uh, she's totally healed. No more, no more pain or suffering for my mom. And um, I'm going to meet her again one day. So, yeah, mm. life is tough, Duke. Life is tough. However, Jesus knows what you and I have gone through, what your, your, your listeners have gone through. And he wants to help. He wants to save. Yes, it's important that we get saved. Yeah. Of course it is. But it's also important that we get healed. Yeah. It's also important because God wants to give you a life. God doesn't want you to become a boring Christian. <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't want you to walk around or to hide up a tree or a, 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 a pole. And, uh, you know, he don't want you idle. He wants to give you life. That's right. And I can't understand. How, uh, well, I all I can all I can figure out because I, I like I said earlier on, I have to pinch myself what God has done in my life today. But mm. I give Him all the glory and all the praise, and um, continue on this journey that God has called me to walk. Mm. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Peter. And uh, uh, just illustrates so well, just the, the, the completeness of what God wants to do in our lives, you know, um, bringing you guys to that place of healing in your relationship and seeing your mom freed from all that guilt that she carried for all those years. It's so the heart of God for us, you know, that we could walk in absolute freedom and, you know, whatever anybody out there is going through, whatever, how, however bad it looks, however disappointed you've been, however tragic the circumstances, you can have this peace that, you know, I, I think, Peter, so often um, we can have the wrong perspective when walking through adversity. Um, and, uh, and we can start to look at it like God's doing something to us or, you know, like that God is somehow distant or separated from it, from it. But, but even in the midst of the most difficult, perplexing circumstances, he's so good. He's so faithful. And if we would remember that, that he, 
identifies with us in our suffering, that we can identify with him because he suffered. He suffered for us. He suffered because he loved us. He didn't have to do any of that, but he went through it because of his intense love for us. And remembering that, I think while we're walking through stuff that we don't understand, stuff that's, you know, that we can allow to break us because it's so difficult. But if we can remember in those in those moments that God's not against us, he's with us and he's for us. And that Amen. all of these things work together for the good of those who love him and that are called according to his purpose. And That's it. Um, yeah, man, I, I uh, so, yeah, again, I really appreciate you. And if you would just maybe share um, just maybe one, you know, just your final thoughts here before we before we go ahead and uh, and wrap this up. Your final thoughts on, you know, what you would you, you've you've done it so beautifully and eloquently already. But uh, just you have anything final to share on like what you would say to somebody or or what you like to say to people um, when, you know, you're talking with someone or anybody out there who might be listening to this that might be, you know, walking through something really, really difficult, an impossible situation or, you know, feeling like they're in that that dark place. Your other uh, your other book that we haven't really mentioned called out of the darkest place right and um you know how god rescued you from that place of darkness and depression and despair and all that and really just tr transformed your life and he continues to transform your life you know he's so good he just keeps keeps doing it and and uh, like you said making up for all those years that the enemy thought that he was stealing away from you that god has just brought so much restoration and redemption into your life and it's beautiful and um but just any final thoughts on that? Like what you would say to somebody who really just is feeling that pressure of life, maybe depressed, maybe in despair, maybe contemplating suicide, maybe, um, you know, whatever, dealing with those lies of the enemy or just walking through tragedy or whatever it might be. Um, oh, do you know, you uh, Duke, yeah, Duke, I, I come from um, um, West Yorkshire originally and we have something um, in West Yorkshire that's um, a delicacy. It's called Yorkshire pudding, uh -huh. and and uh, it's delicious. It's absolutely scrumptious. Um, but the thing is, this I can tell you um, all these beauty beautitudes about Yorkshire pudding, how beautiful it is. But unless you taste it for yourself, love it. Unless you get stuck into it, and you'll only experience that that goodness that that um how, how, how tasty it is uh for yourself and it's the same with with christianity the bible says there's a scripture in the bible that says come taste of the lord and see that he is good yeah if only our listeners would come and taste of the lord now i'm not talking about tasting in a, in a, in a like a, a food but to invite him into our hearts if you if you would do that listener if you would invite him in you would taste an amazing amazing god who is absolutely incredible god wants to mm. love you he wants to provide for you he wants right. to he wants to protect you he wants to give you up make opportunities for you he wants to make a way in the desert for you and he can do this because he is God. And he knows you better than you know yourself. It, the, the Bible says the king of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It's now time for healing of that blindness. Come taste of the Lord, listener, and see that he is good. God will save you from eternal separation and you will spend eternity with him. But in the meantime, God will give you life and mm. life to the full. That don't mean to say that you're not going to go through testing times. We all go through them. We live in a fallen world. But God will be with you through them testing yes. times. Yes. And let me tell you this. When you've got... With God. Are you still there? You're still there. I, I'm, lost I'm still here. Yes, sir. It just got a little when robotic for a second, but we're good. <laughs> God is waiting for the listener to come home and receive him. I'm just getting bad egg. Ah, oh, we lost Peter. I'm sure he'll be back in a second. 
let's see. I think we've got him. Let's see. Hello. Yeah, All right. back now. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, God is waiting for the listener to come home and to taste him, to invite him into their lives and, and, and not just to experience salvation, which is awesome. It's the greatest gift we can ever receive. Sure. But also to receive life. Come to Jesus and you will receive life. Well, Luke, it's been great. Uh, I've, got, I've got to go. I've got to be on another call. <laughs> We're doing another video interview later on this evening. Well, in a few minutes' time, actually. But awesome. uh, it's been brilliant talking to you, Duke. And uh, I love your ministry. You're doing a great job. And um, you just carry on. Um, let's keep in touch, Duke. Yeah, and, please. And, and um, as I say, I've got plenty of friends in ministry who would love to talk to you. Uh, I've got some incredible friends who've got incredible ministries and testimonies um, of how God has transformed their lives too. Um, and if anybody's listening out there in America and they want to invite me over, then I'd, I'd come over. <laughs> I'd, I've been to Canada. Yeah, man, let's get you in America. Yeah, I've been, Let's get I you over get here, to, brother. I want to get into prisons in America, believe it or not. I want to get into, yeah. pris into the prisons there. Um, I've been need. to Canada. I've been to Canada, Toronto, and, and I've been on the TV and been interviewed there um, and churches and rehabs and, you know, but I'd love to come to America. So that's one one prayer desire that's not been fulfilled yet, but maybe maybe someone's listening who, who can help that to uh, to come to pass. <laughs> yeah, my friend. Well, I, let, let's make that happen. I, I really do appreciate you. I'm really honored to uh, have had this opportunity to speak with you and to have you on the podcast. And I'm excited for the people that are going to get a chance to listen to this and, uh, you know, get to hear this this message. It's not just another, it's not just a, an inspirational thing. It's, it's, it is, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to see what God has done, but, but, you know, what God has done in Peter's life, what God does in our lives, when we have a testimony, that testimony speaks to the nature of who God is and the goodness of Amen. God. So he's done it in Peter's life and uh, it won't look the exact same in your life, but he's going to do it in your life too, because he's Amen. good, because he's faithful. It's just who he is. Uh, Peter, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know you got to run, but would you... Uh, do you have 30 seconds to uh, just yep. pray pray for the listeners before you go? I don't yeah, usually ask my yeah. guests to do that, but I, yeah, but that. I really feel like doing that today. So, yeah, yeah thank you. But, yeah, Father, we just thank you for this time that uh, we've been able to share our, uh, about your goodness, about your grace, about your mercy, Father. And I just pray, Lord, for those that are listening to this, I just pray for that person or persons who, who's really struggling. I just pray that you give them strength and courage to open up their their hearts and their minds yes. and their souls and, and to receive you father as lord and savior i pray mm. against uh, against any um any darkness that's uh, looming over their lives i i just pray you'd break through lord i know that the the scripture says that the king of this world has blinded their minds father bring healing let them see you father for who you really are you're a god of love yeah. you're a god of mercy you're a god of of grace and and um i just pray your blessing Amen. Uh, well, thank you, Peter. Again, really appreciate you, sir. Yeah, thank you, mate. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. For more information about Peter Gladwin or Out of the Ashes Ministries, visit outofashes.co.uk. One final encouragement to just check out those books and resources that Peter has available. I really believe they'll be a blessing to you. Finally, if you're interested in any additional resources from me, you can visit my website, simplepowermedia.com, or connect with me on social media. In particular, follow the Facebook page at DK Lamastra. That way you'll always get notified of future live events and podcast episodes. Thanks. See you next time.